I know that they might be smiling when they come in that door, but they might be living through a totally different kind of hell when they go home or when they go to school. So for when they're with me for that hour or three hours or four hours, the most important thing I can do is respect them and love them from the point of where I'm at um, and give them space to be themselves and to be happy. And that's, that's my main goal. Welcome to Appalachian Startup, stories of new ideas that eventually became thriving businesses in areas that most would consider a bad investment. I'm J.D. Belcher, and I started this podcast because I took the same path as a lot of these folks. I'm a former coal miner and now make films through my own production company called JJN Multimedia. I wanted to hear others speak of their journey to not only give new beginners hope, but to help me grow as a fellow entrepreneur. In this episode, you will hear the story of Amanda Reed. She operates Amanda Reed Photography and has been in business for around 11 years in Raynell, West Virginia. She services over 300 clients every year and started it by taking her brother's senior pictures. After that, everyone kept telling her, quote, you should do this for a living. Eventually, she was confident enough to do just that. Her love for photography took her from initially wanting to pay $250 every month for her daughter's school to eventually clearing a six-figure salary from something she created right here in Appalachia from the ground up. Did you get into photography at an early age or when did that start? Um, I didn't get into photography at an early age. I always loved um, pictures. So I can remember when I was about seven years old, someone had died um, that was friends with my grandparents. And they were talking about wills and probate and all of this stuff. And I was asking, you know, what does that mean? And they said, well, you know, will kind of leaves things that you own to people that you want them to go to. And I said, well, when you die, I want all of the photo albums and all the pictures off the wall. And they thought that was funny. And that is what I ended up getting from my grandparents. But I always just had a fascination with portraits. And then it led into getting started with photography with my brother's high school senior portraits. You know, when you first started, I assume you didn't, well, of course, you didn't know what nearly as much as you know now. Like, how did you start? I honestly did not know anything about photography. I had a digital point and shoot camera. Um, My brother has epilepsy. So when it was time to get his senior portraits done, I had had a bad experience with a photographer. And I just wanted to make sure that that was catered to him and his needs and someone was patient. So I took him actually out behind where my studio is now and photographed his senior portraits with a point and shoot camera. People loved those. They said, you should do this for a living. I said, you're crazy. I don't know anything about this. No one would ever pay for me to take their pictures. And from there, I just kind of started to study. I watched videos. Um, I upgraded to a DSLR. I would literally put fruit in a bowl and I would photograph it at different times of day to just watch the lighting. Um, and I, I really self-taught for about two years. And then at my first photography convention that I went to, I was actually teaching there too. So um, that was exciting. Oh, wow. Cool. So what was your first camera? Uh, my first DSLR was a Canon Rebel XTI. How has technology changed just since you've started? Oh, wow. It's changed so much. You know, I started off with a point and shoot camera and then I went to a DSLR and now I'm on a mirrorless camera. Everything's getting lightweight. Um, Everything's, in my opinion, is getting easier. You know, photography, um, even videography, as long as you want to put in the work, both of us know that it can be done. Um, But I think that uh, technology has really came right along. It's gotten more affordable, I think. Um, everything's changed not so much as software for me because I'm still doing the old school I found like you know if it works don't don't veer from it um 
but you know, apps on your phone and camera phones are getting better. And that's, you know, another place photographers have to compete. I know iPhoneographers who are selling seriously doing gallery um, showings of iPhone prints and selling iPhone prints for $1,200 a piece. So, you know, there's a lot that can be done in technology. Right. Maybe we're doing something wrong. I've seen, right. I, I've seen people shooting weddings with phones and I'm just thinking like, you know, you know, I just, I shoot with a, a Sony a7S II, which is a small camera. Uh -huh. So, you know, I'm battling with that. When I show up, they see this little camera and they're not, they're like, whoa, hang on a minute. You know, they're thinking of the big shoulder rig, you yeah. know, setups, but, but yeah, I just think, you know, what are they thinking right now as this guy or gal shoots with their iPhone, uh -huh. shoots their wedding, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, the thing about it though, I think, um, I think they don't think too much about it because now the next generation has a phone with them at all times. It's the most photographed generation in all of human history. Um, my daughter probably takes, gosh, 100 Snapchat pictures of herself at least a day. And since her friends are doing it all the time, um, teachers do it, parents do it. Um, I have got parents that will send me streaks in the morning and I'm like, what is this? So, you know, I think that it's a normal thing to them. I, I kind of question, wonder if they even question about somebody showing up to photograph something with an iPhone. Right. And I, and I, if, it, if you got an eye, you know, the creative right, eye, right. you could probably take a Polaroid yeah. and it would be amazing. Right. So, you know, I catch myself with that a lot too, because my gear isn't the most expensive thing, right. but you know, as far as that goes, you know, how much of it is technology and how much of it is the actual creative brain behind the product? Yeah, I, I really think it's 50-50. You know, I think you got to have, um, I think fast glass is more important than your camera body. Um, great lenses are so important. Um, but I really think it's that creativity part that you bring to your business. And I, I think it's that, um, for me, that personal part that I bring to my business, you know, I had a session this morning and the mom sat right over there on the couch and I photographed her daughter and I spent absolutely as much time photographing her daughter as I did in conversation with both of them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that that is a, a huge thing, but, um, you know, 50, 50 on, on the creativity and the, and the equipment. So it's not just the image, it's the experience. I market my whole branding on experience. When someone comes in here, it really is an experience. I've already uh, been talking to the mom and the client, usually if it's a high school senior, for months in advance, sometimes years in advance. I have parents now, um, their students graduating in 2022. How far do I have to book an appointment in advance? We talk about outfits. We talk about college. Um, we talk about career choices. We talk about relationships. We talk about so many things. I have... I'm still so close with so many of my high school graduates and they'll, you know, they'll message me for advice or, hey, I'm talking to this guy or this happened in our family. So for me, it's an experience. Um, when I was in high school, high school was the most difficult time of my life. My parents went through a bitter, ugly divorce, I actually quit high school um, November of my senior year after being pretty well straight A honor student my whole life. Um, my mom was battling addiction and alcoholism. So I quit school, moved out, got my GED. Um, and so that was really hard for me. And so now when a senior comes in, I know that they might be smiling when they come in that door, but they might be living through a totally different kind of hell when they go home or when they go to school. So for when they're with me for that hour or three hours or four hours, the most important thing I can do is respect them and love them from the point of where I'm at um, and give them space to be themselves and to be happy. And that's that's my main goal. Right. Uh, you brought up Corey. Tell me about Corey and his situation and, and you know, your relationship. Okay. Corey is awesome. Corey is now 
Uh, he's going to be, he was born in 1985, so he's going to be 35 years old. When he was four years old, he had a brain aneurysm. He was the healthiest out of um, the three of us. I have another brother. And one day he was just eating some cereal and he went into unstoppable convulsions and he was flown out to Roanoke and he was in a coma for two weeks. Um, they, the doctor said when he woke up, he'd most likely be in a vegetative state. Um, so we were, you know, getting prepared for that as much as you can when I'm 10. Two weeks later, he woke up um, and he said, I want to go back to that pretty place. And he said, I want to sit on that man's knee in the garden. And we immediately just started crying because our dad had told us about a, a prayer that he had prayed talking about heaven being a pretty place. And that's kind of what Corey said back to us. So just several things happened over Corey's life. I believe that he's just, he's very spiritual. He's connected on another level than I am. Um, so when doctors were telling us he wouldn't live until he was 18, um, he wouldn't do all of these things. And he, he can't do a lot of things. And he has upwards of 10 or 12 seizures a day most times, but he is now 35. And, you know, when he was a high school senior graduating with that special ed diploma, I was always the mother hen because I've seen so many accidents and so many seizures um, that I really wanted to just protect him and love on him. And when I photographed him, I realized that I was photographing something that doctors told me would never happen. And one day when he was gone, I was still going to have this picture. And for me, that was a gift that I wanted to give back to the world. You know, when my grandparents are gone, I can still look at the photos I captured of them. And we never know what tomorrow is going to bring. So I, that's why photography is important to me. Mm -hmm. So do you do you think you bring that situation into every photo shoot? Or do you, do you find yourself getting complacent every so often? Or I think Oh, I think it's very easy to get complacent. Um, I think I went a couple of years where I was just kind of stagnant. I'd lost my mom and I'd lost my grandparents. And, you know, I think that death kind of grief can overwhelm you and you can get complacent. Um, but we get complacent in everything. We get complacent in our spiritual lives. We get complacent in our marriages. So business is no different. Um, but I think that that's something you really have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and, and get it back in gear. Being really um, in the moment and just recalling that, um, realizing every day why you're getting out of work, you know, who you go to work for, um, that kind of helps you keep in that moment of what the gift that you're giving to your clients. The early years. When you, when you went from, you know, shooting Corey's pictures to, okay, I need to figure out how to charge for this. You know, how did you start? Um, well, you know, I started cheap because I didn't value myself. I didn't go to college to be a photographer. I hadn't had any classes. I mean, I was just shooting bowls of fruit in my kitchen. Who's going to pay me, you know, a decent wage to take their pictures? When I started out, I remembered I wanted to make $250 a month to be able to send my daughter um, to the Reno Christian Academy Preschool. That's all I wanted to do was contribute $250 a month. The busier I got, though, and I was, you know, making $100 a client, giving them a disk of images or even printing their proofs at that time, everyone that come in, I was putting a price tag on my daughter's head. And so I was spending three, four hours with the client for $100. And I was taking that time away from my daughter when I could have been spending it with her. And I really had to say, what's the time away from my family worth? And it was worth more than $100. And I knew that there, there had to be a better situation, that I was selling myself short. And so um, when I did my initial price increase, I increased it triple. And I just said, you know, this is what it's worth to me. Um, if no one books me, no one books me. And I tripled my prices. And honestly, I think my client base tripled because they recognized that I valued myself, I valued my work, and they wanted to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. 
did you kind of feel it emotionally? Like, yes, it's time I have to figure this out because I'm just staying so unbelievably busy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, that's supply and demand. I mean, that's that's the greatest thing of capitalism, I think, is that you can be creative and I can be creative and we can set our own pricing um, according to, you know, our talent and our level and, you know, our investment into our companies. So I feel like every six months since I've been on this journey, I reach a point where it's go big or it's go home. And you, you could stay the same, but I feel when you stay the same, you kind of get stagnant. So every six months, and I talk to a lot of other entrepreneurs and they feel the same thing. It's growing pains. And, you know, I was getting, I remember one October, I shot over 56 clients just in October. And that was four days a week because I would take off Fridays or I would take off Mondays. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot. That was, that was too much for one person to handle. So supply and demand said, raise your prices, shoot less people, make more money. You know, so I could decided I could go out and I could shoot 10 clients for the month of August and charge them all $200 and make $2,000 or could go out and I could shoot five clients and raise my prices and have those clients spend $1,500 each. And wow, that's a lot more money and a lot more time with my family. Exactly. So obviously you're, you're amazing at what you do. Um, what I would like people to understand is to also know when your product speaks for itself. So how much would you say is quality work versus marketing? Which is more important in getting your name out there? Or is, or is it a balance? I think marketing is huge. You know, I, I think when I first started out, I was better at marketing than I was at photography. And if I hadn't had those skills, then I would still be where I was. Uh, but we were right on the brink of social media and Facebook taking off. So that helped me. There wasn't all of these algorithms and, you know, um, all of this buying ads. People were just adding me and adding me. Um, the, the Facebook page grew to 15,000 fans, it seems, almost overnight. Um, now it's really kind of hard to get that drive. So um, back for me when I started, it was really about marketing. Now if I was coming on, you know, marketing's great, but I really think that you have to have a value to your work and not just a value in your images and what you do, but you have to value your clients. This is really a personal business for me. I feel like everyone that comes out of my door, they leave with some kind of relationship with me. I know what my high school seniors are doing 10 years ago that are now married and have five-year-old children. So I really think for for my perspective and my business, it's really personal value more so than even... Um, the value of my photography is a lot of your clientele repeating clients now, or what would you, is there a percentage there? Or I would say probably twenty five percent of my clients are repeating. Um, since I primarily photograph high school seniors, I don't do a lot of weddings anymore. Uh, that was something I kind of stepped back away from to spend more time with my family. Um, so unless it would be a sibling or something, we get repeat clients that way. But a lot of it is word of mouth. My word of mouth clients are are my best friends. You know, the people that love you and support you, those are the people you want to get behind because they're your cheerleaders. Did you find any, is there any certain photos that come to mind of you that you've taken that you've seen a huge response from? Not necessarily anything that I could track a pattern with. Um, Images that are more um, emotive definitely relate to people or images that are, I I do what I call muse sessions. So when I'm a, a feeling extreme burnout, I'll hire an amuse and it can be, you know, someone eclectic, someone beautiful, um, maybe someone I've never photographed before, another ethnicity, um, just to kind of get those wheels turning and photograph something new that's creative that somebody's not paying me to create so that I can do whatever I want to do and have complete creative freedom through that. Um, And usually those images are pretty interesting and they get a lot of 
likes if you want to go for likes on Facebook or Instagram. But those aren't images that my clients are looking to buy either. It's not something that they would want to schedule an appointment for their daughter to come in and have those types of images because that's not where they want to place their investment. But they're great for getting looks and they're great for getting word of mouth out there. So passion projects, Mm -hmm. kind of. When would you say which year it was that you were able to like, okay, this is a full time salary or whatever. How long did it take you to build that up and to not have a lot of overhead or what is your overhead? Just go into all um, that. Well, I think I have a lot of overhead because I have a studio. So, you know, I think we spent $80,000 on this building. That was not including all of the um, photography equipment, which is in the thousands of dollars. And, you know, that's another reason why you really have to learn to value yourself because it is an investment. And to give your client the best work, I think you need to invest in the best tools. Um, but it was two years, 2007, July, I officially got my business license. That's the first thing I did. I did not even have that DSLR camera yet, but I was so focused on, I didn't want to undercut anyone. I didn't want to do this um, behind the scenes. I wanted to do it on the up and up because I knew that this was a dream that I had. I wanted to be a leader. I didn't want to, you know, people questioning my ethics or my tax payments or anything like that. So getting my business license was number one, the most important thing. And within um, two years, we went from, I think that first year I made like $1,800 in photography. Um, By 2010, we were up to $60,000 gross. And then 2012, I think was our highest gross. um, It was over six figures. So, I mean, you can make an awesome business here in West Virginia, but you have to value yourself. Touching on that, what would you give a new photographer, uh, you know, if you were to give them tips on how to start and, you know, everyone work together, what would you tell a new photographer? Um, A new photographer, I would just say definitely get your business license. I would say get insured, definitely have some liability insurance. And beyond that, you need to think about your your time and, and the investment and whether or not you think your your images are as good as mine or better than mine or not even close. That doesn't determine your success as a photographer. Um, it, it really doesn't. I know photographers that I, I personally would not hire because I'm not a fan of their work that charge three times what I do. Mm-hmm. Um your clients will value you. You'll you'll make a connection. So the really the thing is just pricing yourself equivalent. No one would be happy in West Virginia right now if I went and shot all of my clients for $150 because I would take a lot of business. That's that's just the simple truth of it. If you know um, Adidas started selling their sneakers for $15, that's going to take a lot of Walmart's business. Um, And that's just, you know, it's supply and demand. But I would say, you know, really value yourself. Think about your overhead. Think about your cost of goods. Think about the gas you put in to get to your session. Think about all of the emails you answer, all of the phone calls, all of the texts you get at 1 and 2 a.m. I know all of these things, and those are all things you should be charging for. And it might seem like fun, and, oh, I love to take pictures, and, you know, I love these clients, but these clients are essentially going to send your children to college you know they're helping to pay your bills and you need to price yourself accordingly so yeah do you think there's different markets in the photography world like is there a market for those that want to charge a hundred dollars for a hundred images you know do you think that would be a different market than what you're in absolutely absolutely you know there's a photographer for everyone you know I, I hate to see a photographer that takes amazing portraits and they're struggling and they're struggling to even get someone to pay them that one hundred dollars but I find that comes a lot with, you know, they don't value themselves. I can remember when I was charging $100 and I would have high school senior girls that came in here in $150 pair of blue jeans and they had their nails done for $50 or $60. And all of those things are fleeting. 
And here I was giving them a gift that would last forever and I wasn't even charging that much. And I thought, there, this is backwards. How many different ways, like speak on services for a moment, how many different ways can a photographer make money in Appalachia? Oh, wow. There's so many different ways you can make money as a photographer, um, especially if you know, you're, you're, you've got to be 100% in and you really have to value your craft. Um, but there's portrait photography, there's pet photography, there's charity photography, there's professional photography, there's still life photography, commercial photography, landscape photography, fine art photography, boudoir photography. Um, there's, there's photography for every situation. Everyone's looking to preserve those moments. Um, you know, I have so many inquiries about just, just crazy things that I could, yeah, I'll accept that. I'll do that. But you know, that's not my market. That's not what I want to do. I don't photograph newborn babies. That's just not my talent. It's not something that I want to invest in, but there's definitely so much here you can do. Um, for photography. And I think tourism photography, wow, is just such a big thing. I think if West Virginia is going to grow, tourism is huge. Um, the tourism market would definitely be a great way to uh, get in photography in West Virginia and lifestyle photography. We got awesome lifestyles here in West Virginia. You know, I love to go to the gorge and photograph my clients in beautiful places all over West Virginia, not just to, to photograph them there, but to show the world, you know, to come here to kind of invite them here and welcome them here because, um, the world can see that through what I do and through what you do. Is there a certain photo that comes to mind that you would, you know, if you had to narrow it down to a top three, you know, I know uh, Corey's senior pick would be one, but you know, what would be the other two? Um, Corey's senior picture would definitely be one. Um, the other one I'll probably start to cry here is a picture of my grandfather. It's right over here. Um, he was in kidney failure there. I was photographing Brennan Bailey from Westside high school for an album. Um, we actually took first place in SEPA with that album. Um, I needed Brandon to go fishing and I needed him to catch a fish for uh, a page in this album. So it was winter and I got my grandfather out and he took us to his favorite fishing spot. And while I was photographing Brandon, I saw my grandfather sitting there on this tree limb and I photographed him. And I believe that that was the last portrait I photographed of my grandfather. So that's definitely oh, wow. um, top of my list. Yeah, I bet. Goodness. The day after you quit school, which I, I dropped out of college twice, uh, I know, you know, to me, I felt like a total failure because this is what, you know, this is what everyone said I was supposed to do. Yeah. So how did you feel that day after? You know, tell me about that. Um, I think... Um, as far as I go personally, I felt relieved. I felt relieved that I could just leave and not be the mom of the household anymore. But I also felt ashamed because, you know, all of my friends didn't know really what was going on in my home life. And so for them looking in, it was just like, oh, Amanda quit school. You know, what's going on? Amanda quit school. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of shame on that. Um, and probably still, that's probably a lot of the reason why I love high school senior photography still is still, you know, dealing with some of those feelings and working out the issues of that time. Um, but I've never felt like a failure. I don't have any regrets about it. I believe that this was my path. Um, I don't think college is for everyone. Um, I think there's tons of vocational and trade school jobs and things people could be doing. I think that that's something that's kind of been hammered at us, you know, four years, four years, four years, which is great if you do. But there's a path for you if you don't. Um, I really think that that just depends on your determination, your motivation and your worth. And, you know, we talked about this earlier before we got started. I think people just finding themselves worthy, you know, and not wearing the words that media and the world and school and friends throw at you. You know, you have to come from a place inside and you can do that. Right. To be an entrepreneur, what do you think some of the qualities are that you need to have? 
motivation, number one. You have to have um, thick skin. I think a lot of people are going to tell you it can't be done. You're no good at it. Nobody's going to pay you for this. What are you thinking? Um, Thick skin, especially, especially as a creative. Like there's a ton of creatives that are are more knowledgeable than I am that create masterpieces. And, you know, they can critique my image and you can either grow from that critique or you can, you know, uh, let it break you down. So I think that thick skin, um, definitely number one, I think that you can never be the smartest person in the world, in the room, you know, surround your people, yourself with people that are doing better than you are, that have um, been places that you haven't been, traveled places you haven't been, um, all of those things. I think that that's very important to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. What I love about you, obviously your work is amazing and and you know it's amazing, but also you're humble at the same time. Uh, do you find yourself battling a lot of egos in this industry or, you know, how has that experience been? There's a lot of ego in this industry. You know, for several years, I would go out to Las Vegas every spring and I would teach at WPPI in a convention. I would either speak at the trade show or I would speak at the convention. Um, And so, you know, you go and you're the girl from West Virginia and everybody stops and says, oh, you're not from around here, are you? I finally got to a point where I wore a T-shirt every time I spoke that says my y'all is authentic. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of ego. You know, you can't you know, you're from a town of twelve hundred people. There's no way you could be making six figures. You really need to work on this. You need really need to work on that or you're a woman. Um, you know, there's a lot of women in the photography industry now, and there, it was predominantly a male industry for a long time. Um, so that's something else, you know, there's an old boys club in photography. I see it when I go places and, you know, I try to just enter the room anytime that I can and, and be bold about that. But I really try to stay humble. I think that that, I think that that is one area in West Virginia though, that I struggle with. I'm not friends with a lot of creatives and I'm, I'm not friends because it's not that I don't want to be friends with you, but I will look so much at their work and begin to judge my own work. Or if I see that a client that I know went there and they didn't hire me, then I'll just like wear it on my sleeve and be like, oh, you know, what's wrong with me? Am I too expensive? Do they just not like me? You know, and so I'll wear it that way. And so I think that that comes off in circles as just kind of being snotty. And I think that's probably a big misconception a lot of people have about me, but really I'm shy. I'm really reserved. I'm not on social media because you can have a persona and be someone else. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's probably the best thing I ever learned was to have a persona um, as an entrepreneur. But I'm I'm just kind of stay to myself. And so um, ego for me, it's not something that I try to put out there, try to stay humble. But I think that... um, in the industry, especially for women, I think that we look at each other and we're like, are we judged already? Especially by other girls, because, you know, high school, middle school, mean girls, it happens. And so when you have all of these talented photographers, you know, all competing for a slice of the pie, you you kind of think, oh, well, maybe they don't like me. Um, and I think that's true with a lot of creative, especially women, um, who just want to know that their work is great. And gosh, I know so many fabulous photographers all over Southern West Virginia who are phenomenal. Um, But they've probably never heard me say that personally because I'm just not on a lot of their pages. And, you know, I try to keep my business going. Sure. Sure. And you just rather not dive into that wormhole of, you know, self uh, judgment or loathing or whatever it is, you know, because I'll watch other people's work too. And I'll be like, oh man, that's, that's, that's not as good. I would have done this. I would have done that. And then I'm just like, dude, just, they're just like you. They're trying, they have families. They're trying to do this for a living. So calm down, keep yourself in check, appreciate what they're doing and, and know what you're doing and move on. So 
that's been a big goal of mine this year is to, you know, not have that creative bias, but we all have it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a girlfriend that we kind of keep ourselves in check. You know, when, when she sees someone doing exactly what she's doing and they're doing it for 75% less and I'm kind of like, well, you know, those aren't your clients, you know, your clients will come to you. And then when I find myself seeing this situation or that situation, I'll be like, oh, this looks just like what I'm doing or, oh, they're doing it for 75% less. You know, she'll just be like, those aren't your clients. You know, you just keep doing what you're doing, just keep pounding at what you're pounding at and keep going. And so I think having um, a friend, she's out of state, she's not in my market to bounce ideas off of and just kind of vent to, I think that's healthy. Yeah. Network is one thing I've been trying to establish too, because I just felt alone in a lot of ways because, you know, not a lot of people were doing what I was doing. And I just felt really lonely. All my friends, you know, had the college degrees and had the, you know, the day jobs and this and that, which I had too. But, you know, I've been trying to just walk up and get out of my shell and introduce myself to people. And I found this year, just in the people that I've done that with, that I've always seen their work and respected it, that I've just walked up and said, hey, man, you know, I'm so, you know, I just have found that has been very rewarding. You yeah. Know, to yeah. Me. Did you did you ever find yourself along this journey and someone will be like, "Well, I have a real job." Do you ever get that as oh. creative? Oh, I get that all the time. Well, I have a real job. Well, so do I. Yeah. <laughs> I have a real job. Right. Yes, all the time. Um, I remember I was making a tourism video for McDowell County, and while I was filming, I seen a guy that was a family friend. And, uh, you know, I was filming, doing whatever. And he said, oh, you're still, you're still doing this now. And I was like, yeah, yeah, man. He's like, oh, well, you know, when are you going to find you a job, you know, Uh (laughs) or are you going to do this for a while? And I was like, well, I'm kind of making money at this. So I'll probably be doing this for a while. And the same aspect too, which I know you've got is they're like, well, their job's 100% fun. So I can totally ask them to film my family picnic for free. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's that's definitely a struggle. You know, for a long time, I struggled even calling myself a photographer because everybody was like, oh, you know, I'm a photographer. I've got a camera or this person's a photographer. And I'm like, no, but I'm like a legit studio owner, photographer running a business. And they'll be like, oh. Because, you know, it's so common and, you know, there there are a lot of photographers. The market's definitely oversaturated, um, but, you know, we can we can do all of that stuff and have our different markets and our different niches um, with what we do. But the oh, well, I can't I can't do that tomorrow because I got a real job. Well, I have never been so thankful for this real job that I have and being my own boss, because if you're thinking about starting your own company, no matter what it is, let me tell you that in spring when West Virginia is slow, I'm thankful because I can make every one of my daughter's softball tournaments. If one of them has an appointment, I can juggle my schedule. Um, If there's an emergency, you know, it's easy to call one of my clients and they always understand. They typically always know my situation, but being a business owner and being able to build your own schedule around your family, that's what I'm most thankful for. And that's what my daughter sees too, because my daughter helps me a lot with social media now. Um, And so when she's thinking about a career path, I'm always, she wants to be a mom. You know, she's always said that since she's little, I'm like, well, you know, you have to be aware when you're your own boss and you're in a a creative market, at least as I am, you know, it's really easy for me to build my schedule around what you and your brother are doing. And that is the best part of, of being your own boss. With her, uh, what grade is she in? She's a junior. Junior. So with her about to graduate, uh, do you think you're going to hand over the reins or do you want her to do what makes her happy or? Oh, definitely what makes her happy. She has no interest in photography at all. Um, It's kind of like that stigma I said of telling somebody you're a photographer. Lydia could probably shoot circles around me because I give her the camera often and she has an amazing eye and she's super talented at marketing. 
Um, but she wants nothing to do with it. And when I tell her, I'm like, oh, but you could do like AR mini sessions and photograph, you know, for a, a cheaper price, you know, because you don't feel like you're where I'm at. And there, she's like, no, she was like, you know, mom, she's like, I, I go to kids with school. And she said, they take senior pictures for people or, you know, I'll see other kids. And she'll say, I don't want people to say, oh, she thinks she's a photographer. Like I see people talking about these other ones. She's just like, I'd just rather help you and not be judged and not have to deal with that whole aspect of the industry. All right, so let's talk about some of the struggles. Sure. What would uh, what would be your biggest struggles since starting? Capital, capital for um, equipment, for the newest technology, for the best lights, the best props, the best um, studio. You know, it it was a lot of that. You know, money is not easy to come by. It's a lot of for me, even till this day. You know, we're so slow January through February or March, you know, I'll put ten or fifteen thousand dollars on my credit card in the spring to just pay it off in the fall to just reinvest in my business. Um, you know, January, February, March, I might shoot twenty clients. August through December, I might photograph two hundred and fifty. Um, so there's just a big difference there. And you really money management, you know, knowing where your money's going. It's, it's so easy. Just somebody write you a check and then go buy groceries out of that because, hey, that's what you need to do. I've been there. Um, so money management is huge. Capital and startup money is huge. It was always frustrating for me when I was just trying to just scrape up that $1,000 to buy that DSLR camera. And then some kid got it for a graduation gift. And, you know, I was like, oh, really? <laughs> like, I can't even get that. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's, you know, so-and-so photography on Facebook. Yeah. And they're mm -hmm. all, you, all you need is a Facebook page and, and sometimes a cell phone. And, and that's frustrating. And new photographers are going to find that out too. You know, when they first start shooting, they're like, oh, this is great. And I'm making $100 and I can fill my car up with gas. But, you know, so much of your money goes to something else. Uh, that was a big struggle for me was learning how to manage and learning how to price appropriately. You know, when I started saying every client that comes in this building um, has a price tag on their head in exchange for the price tag on my daughter's head, it really changed things. And, and I think... Um, the thing that really turned my business around was in year two, I went to a business plan and, you know, our, our profit more than tripled that year. And, you know, I could really see if I wanted to make a hundred thousand dollars this year, I needed to shoot X amount of clients at Y amount of price per client. I needed to average. And so many people don't do that. They might think, Oh, I'd love to make six figures, but they don't even break down the simple math of how many people would I have to photograph at what amount of money per client, um, to, to do that, to get there. Right. So break down the magic of the business plan. You know, someone who thinks, well, I could never write a business plan, you know, explain to them essentially what that is. Well, they could definitely write a business plan. And if you want to email me at Amanda at Amanda-Reed.com, I actually have a whole worksheet about um, writing a business plan for creative. You can, you know, shoot me an email. I'd be happy to send that out to you. It's actually called my master plan um, because it's life and business. Um, for me, what was really important is I knew I wanted to work Monday through Thursday. I didn't want to work on the weekends and I wanted one day off for me while my kids were in school. Um, so I put that into account of, you know, what did I want to work? And then the next part was, let's say you want to make $50,000 gross this year. Well, you know, you have to take that $50,000 and divide it by the amount of clients that you want to shoot 100 or 10 clients. You want to shoot 10 clients for $5,000 a piece? Absolutely. That would be <laughs> wonderful because it's much better than shooting a hundred clients. Um, so that was the main thing. And once I really saw those numbers going together, then I could really say, you know, for me, if you're coming in as a high school senior, I know that I have a $200 session fee. 
Um, that covers not only my time with you for the day, that covers my time doing post-production of your work, that covers my time going over outfit changes, emails, telephone calls. And yes, I love doing those things with my clients, but I have to charge for it. It's my time. So let's say we had um, 10 high school seniors, you know, then that's $2,000. I know that I have right off the bat from your session fee. Now, let's say I have a $800 minimum and I have those same 10 seniors come back, then that means that's $8,000. Now, when you start saying you're shooting 20 or 30 or 40 clients a month, that gets you to where you can say, hey, I know I'm going to make $50,000. Or if you're falling short, you can say, oh, well, I need to add on these limited edition sessions, you know, and I can charge this amount of dollars to get me up there to that 50000 or whatever you'd like to be making. But I think that that's very important. Cool. So it's not just a new AR mini session, you know, it's, it's really some thought going into this and knowing what you have to do to hit those numbers. Have you found like, you know, doing this over the course of years, uh, essentially you've created a flow of what you kind of know is coming? Absolutely. Because I start every January with that marketing calendar. Um, that's also in that business plan. Every January I do a marketing calendar. So I know what kind of specials I'm going to have going on um, in the winter. I know I'm going to do a cap and gown special in the spring. I know I'm going to run family portrait special um, in June. I know that August we'll do um, all summer long. We'll do book your senior session in the summer. That way you get in here earlier and your session fee applies to your packages. I know that October is going to be my most expensive month because it's the most demand. And you also have a bigger investment if you want to book for October. I know a lot of people don't get that. Why do I have to spend more money to book you in October? Well, because October is the Mercedes of West Virginia. Everybody wants to have fall foliage. Um, and then, in, of course, in November, we're shooting our Christmas specials. We've been doing that annually. And we do those at a discount rate. I do that because I know that everybody can't afford what I do. And that's fine. That's no judgment at all. I couldn't afford what I did. Um, I couldn't have myself as my high school senior photographer when I was a senior. Um, so at Christmas time, if you bring in a new toy valued at $35 per person photographed, we donate all of those toys and you get discounts on your sessions or your collections, which start at $100. So over the past gosh, six years, we've given away more than $18,000 worth of new toys. This year, we did something a little bit different because I got a new dog and I love him. So this year, we're doing um, a donation of pet supplies. And we're going to donate those to the Greenbrier Humane Society. So every family photographed, I think right now we have 30 sessions, we'll do at least a $25 donation of pet supplies. And we'll donate all of those to the Humane Society. That's great. So you help the community too. Do you think that that helps your business as well. Not only that, but you know, helps you give back. Um, absolutely. My husband laughs at me because he says I give back more than I make. But for me, that's just really important. Like I think when you can do it from a good place and you're not made um, to, you know, be charitable or made to make this donation, you want to do it from a good place. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's really my biggest calls. I also say if there's someone out there who really wants my work, then to call me and talk to me and, you know, Tell me about it. I can work with any budget. I always do. I've sponsored many of my clients throughout the years who may not even know that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just somebody that's got a story or somebody that, I, you know, I can see myself in when I was in high school and I want to photograph that person and give them something that I didn't have. So giving back to me is huge. Would you say uh, being responsible in your scheduling, you know, uh, not only 
affects your business, but your mental health in a huge way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, having this studio helps me because it helps me be more efficient than if I had, I used to have an office in the house before we built the studio. And it was easy for me to be like, oh, I'm not sleeping at 10 o'clock. So I'll get up and I'll go to work. Um, being on a schedule keeps you mindful of the tasks at hand. Um, it, it helps you to concentrate. Um, I think being on a schedule every day and going to work is what makes you successful. It doesn't make you complacent. You know, you've got a job to do, whether that's answering emails or putting together some Instagram stories to keep people engaged. You have to keep going, but I don't think you have to go 24 hours a day. You need to set a schedule. Um, you need to have some me time. You've got to have time for your family. That's great. That's been a real struggle of mine I found was my scheduling. You know, this year we finally made the leap and purchased an office space and uh, just having that place to go and be creative and then shut the door and I shut it off. You know, my mind still runs, but, you know, that has been a huge help to slowing it down. Yeah, definitely. Um, One thing I I found that helped me a lot, at least as a woman, it's it's very easy to get caught up in the masculinity of running your own business. Like, you know, you're the boss, you know, and, and that has a lot of, um, I'll say male traits to it. Like, you know, you're, it's more working out of your masculinity than your femininity. And so I would realize at the end of the day, you know, I would go home and I'd still try to be my husband's boss and my kid's boss. And I wouldn't want to, you know, step back into my character of being a wife and being a mom. And so one of my good friends told me, she was like, at the end of the day, she said, go home and take a shower and wash all the work away. You know, just as soon as you get home, take, take a shower, take a hot bath, wash the work away, get back to yourself, get back to being a mom, get back to being Amanda, get back to being Gail's wife, um, you know, and do those things that you love outside of business because gosh, I could be all work and no play 24 seven. It would be really easy to step into that for me. Yeah, I do that too. And I, and I'm sure it's frustrating on Jenna's aspect of it is like where uh, that's where ego getting your ego in check comes in the mind because i'm like oh i bought i built this advertising business you know and in the grand scheme of things it's peanuts compared to other companies out there but you know you find yourself getting lost in like hey wait a minute you can't even cut the grass like Uh like chill out dude you know but all right so i guess wrapping it up you know what's your goals for this business when, when is that time to hang it up? I, I, I'm not sure when the time um, to hang it up is going to be. I would like to get into a point in my life where I did not have to depend on photography um, for my livelihood. You know, I, I wish I could, you know, we all wish we could win the lottery tomorrow. But, you know, I hope I'm not so dependent on money in the future that I have to keep running this business seven days a week, five days a week, you know, the way that it runs now. You know, my family is growing. My children are getting older. They're going to be leaving home before I know it. Um, my priorities are going to change. You know, I'm looking for the, forward to the day that I'm a grandma. I'm looking for the forward to the day where, I, you know, I can go up to wherever my kids are going to college and hang out for the week. So I don't really know if there's a, a, a predestined time or if I have a date in my mind. Um, I do know that there's a time when I hope that I can uh, do this more in a charitable way and I can do more personal projects. Like, you know, when I started when Corey grows up, I had a huge vision for that. But life kind of steps back in and says, hey, you got two kids to raise. You've got a business that you've got to have money for. You can't do all of this stuff um, just to kind of set back because you want to be creative and it inspires you. So, you know, I hope there's a day when I can uh, really refocus and give back and teach more. But um, I don't see any signs of slowing down in the near future. Are you a high school senior or do you just want some breathtaking images for your home? Swing by amanda-reed.com to check out some options that are perfect for your needs. 
Don't forget to find Amanda Reed Photography on Facebook as well. Special thanks to Amanda for her time. I know it is valuable and she is amazing at what she does. Appalachian Startup is a bi-weekly podcast, so be sure to check back for more stories of entrepreneurship. Like us on Facebook and Instagram and support the show by grabbing a sticker from our online store at AppalachianStartup.com. Don't forget to review our podcast on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud as well. We are on Patreon, so you can support the show there, and that will allow us to continue to find more businesses in Appalachia to showcase. Stay tuned for more stories of underdogs on the rise. Thank you.